good. Proverbs 6, 6 through 9. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. You don't get very many positive responses when you say, hey, go pick me something up, you sluggard. Uh -oh. <laughs> that starts a fight. That's how the fight started. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Something to learn from the ant. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. And then he turns back to us. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? So we're going to talk this morning on this thought. Go to the ant. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for your blessings and your long-suffering towards us, God. Thank you for your word. Lord, give us what we need today. Feed us with instruction from your word today, God. Change our hearts. Change our minds, our attitudes, Lord, and help us to line up with you, God, and do the things you want us to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Hallelujah. Give a hand clap to the Lord this morning for his word. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated this morning. God bless you in the house of the Lord. Go to the ant. The, the ant, you know, for us, they're, they're a pest. I mean, nobody likes to, stamp, to step in an ant bed. You don't like that. You don't like to open your cupboard and find out that they've infiltrated your house or your closet or... And when it gets hot and weather and things, they start looking for moisture. You'll find them in places that you don't want to be. And uh, nothing worse. Uh, I, I laid down a, a pair of my jeans uh, because I was going to put them on the next day. I had them hanging, laying on this basket right beside the window right there in our bedroom. And got up the next morning. It was dark. I was changing out of my pajamas in my jeans. I took about three or four steps. I started feeling bite some style like what in the world's going on and man those ants well, you get the old phrase got ants in your pants hello <laughs> ain't nothing to make you got to go so thankfully I was in my room wasn't in public nowhere so but ants are, are, are a pest but you know as it is in a lot of things things that trouble us sometimes often teach us a lesson they're are good and all things work together for good for us according to the Lord. So he said, you need to look at this ant. He, he was addressing people. The word sluggard means idle or lazy, someone who just won't do anything. Just uh, But through this process, what he's talking about is that there are people who want things. That's what he's trying to address. You want things, but you won't do anything to get it. He said, so you need to consider the ant and go to the ant. Consider her ways and it will give you wisdom. Because even though no one is instructing her or telling her, she has no guide, no overseer, no ruler, understands that she must provide her meat in the summer and gather her food in the harvest. Or she and her family will starve, they will die uh, because they will not have when it's time to eat. Whenever things get bare, when it gets wintertime, when there's nothing around, uh, she wouldn't have anything if she didn't work while she was able. 
Uh, the ant has a very good work ethic. You know, that's something that a lot of people are not taught today. Uh, we see that, you see that now just about any place you go. Uh, people just don't care about working. They want to get paid, but they could care less about the kind of service they provide you. And uh, just uh, some of them just don't want to work. They just want a handout. But uh, we were always taught, and it was even just uh, an example in our usually in our grandparents or maybe our, even our great-grandparents is we watched them. I used to watch, uh, you know, my grandmother on my dad's side. I stayed a lot with her sometimes, and, and I would watch her routine every morning. She would be up before the sun came up, and she would be uh, fixing things. And it was just me and her there, but she was fixing breakfast because she had grandchildren and, and some of her children that came by every day to eat at her house. And then she would go out and take care of the garden. She would go out and take care of the hogs that she had and always working, always going. And then, uh, you know, we were taught you, you, you give an honest day work for an honest day's pay. If you're going to get paid for eight hours, then work eight hours. You know, just be a good worker. You don't always feel like going to work when you wake up, but you go because if you don't go, your spot's not filled and, and you miss a day of pay and, and uh and uh, you think, wow, it, it was good to have a day off until you see your check at the end of the week. You're like, man, what happened? And so you realize that I need to have a good work ethic in the kingdom of God. It, it, it just it spills right over into our walk with the Lord. Uh, if we expect to reap the benefits of serving him, then we've got to be about his business. That was what the Lord uh, the example that Jesus gave us, even as a young boy of 12, when he was traveling with his family, uh, they had been gone three days and realized he's not with us. And they went back looking for him and they found him in the temple uh, teaching and, and speaking to the, the doctors and the lawyers there. And they were amazed at his answers and how the things he would tell them about the kingdom. But when his mom and dad found him, they were so upset with him. Why have you done us like this and scared us to death. Why, why are you treat us like this? You know, we've been looking for you and we were so sad, just knew something had happened. But he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Luke 2, 4, 9, 2 and 49, he said, how is it that you sought me? Now, it's not strange for a parent to look for their child, but he was, I think, so in the moment of who he was that he thought everybody ought to understand don't you know that I must be about my father's business? That uh, There's no time for me to be laying back and not doing the things that I'm supposed to do. But he realized uh, at that point that uh, he was subject to them and, and was so until he began his ministry in his 30s. But in John 13, 16, and 17, Jesus said this, that I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Now, if you know these things... Happy are you if you do them. So if we see the kind of uh, work ethic that Jesus would even put forth as a child, what are we doing now as the church? What are we doing in our life as born-again, spirit-filled, blood-washed believers? The, the, we are laborers. We are workers, according to 2 Corinthians 6 and 1. We are workers together with him. Now, if you had an industry or a business and you had workers, wouldn't it just uh, it, it'd be tough on you to make any kind of profit or make any headway if all your workers were always calling out 
or when they got there, they weren't doing anything, or, or when they got there, they, they just did things half-heartedly or, or, or sloppy. Or just, you, you're never going to stay in business long if your workers are not supporting your vision. The Lord needs the workers to be supporting the vision. <laughs> Come on. The Lord came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I think that it's about time for the church to get about the Father's business. That we understand that we, we are on a good path. I've, I've mentioned this to some of our people lately. I said, our church is right on the edge of, of something great and miraculous, but we can't let just the little taste that we've gotten satisfy us enough to where we'll sit back and fold our hands and not pursue even deeper uh, this, this move of the Spirit, this move of faith that we've been seeing in our midst. This is not the time to take a day off. This is not the time for us to go on vacation. I'm not talking about in the natural. I'm talking about in our walk with God. We can't be satisfied and live from week to week, service to service, but we ought to be digging and breaking up the ground and searching and seeking and seeing, God, where do you want to take us? Every day with Jesus, they walked. And every day with Jesus, they learned. And every day with Jesus, they experienced and they saw. And if we will stop uh, taking days off in our walk with God, we're going to start seeing some things. Friend, I tell you, we are right on the edge of seeing signs, wonders, and miracles in our midst in every service. Friend, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be like it was in the book of Acts that just while the preacher is up here preaching, people are going to be getting the Holy Ghost in their seats. People are going to be getting healed right there in their seats. People are going to feel the move and the essence uh, flowing out from, uh, in the glory of God falling down in this house and they're going to be responding and moving and going. But friend, if we get idle, you know, the ant knows that there's provision. But they don't say, well, just because it's there, that's enough. You got to go and get it. You got to get after it. You got to do what you're supposed to do. One place, you know, in the scripture, Paul was writing concerning some people. He said, you know, if a man won't work, neither should he eat. We need to, to be doing things for the kingdom. In Matthew 13, these are not scriptures that I gave you back there, brother. I'm just going to go through these. But Jesus begins... Uh, speaking parables about the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew 13, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, in verse 24, a man sowing good seed. In verse 31, it is like mustard seed sown into a field. In verse 33, it's like leaven that has been hid in three measures of meal. In verse 44, it's like treasure that is hid but was found in a field that was purchased. In verse 45, it's like a man seeking good pearls till he finds a pearl of great price. And in verse 47, it is like a net that has been cast into the sea. Every time he mentions the kingdom, somebody's doing something to get something. Now, we don't save ourselves by works. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about salvation by works. We're saved by grace through faith. And it's the gift of God. It's not of us so that we can't boast about it. God saves us through his grace and mercy. But when we become his children, we are born again, baptized into the body by the Spirit. When we become the children of God and heirs uh, to the kingdom, friend, we ought to be about the Father's business. We are servants uh, to the Lord. We are his servants.
We're not just his children, but we are his servants. We are servants to the king, servants to the Lord, and servants to the world. We are the light of the world. You know what light does? It provides a service. It helps you see. It can guide you. It can lead you. It can comfort you. And we are the light of the world. We are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. But friend, I don't, you know, I want to be like that, that old hotel has got that saying, we'll leave the light on for you. I want to make sure we're leaving the light on. I don't want nobody pulling up and the lights be off. I don't want nobody pulling up and saying, well, it's dark in there. I want them to know there's a light burning inside of Restoration Apostolic Church. I want them to know there's a light burning inside this section of the body, that this part of the body is about the Father's business. Friend, the fact of the matter is, if we do nothing, we get nothing. That's it. You get, uh, uh, you get what you do. And, and if, you, uh, if you do nothing, you get nothing. That's what Jesus said. You can ask and you'll receive. You can seek and you'll find. You can knock and it'll be open. But if you are not doing these actions, what are you expecting? We can't always uh, be like little baby birds with our mouth wide open just expecting the mercy of the Lord to feed us every day and us not do anything. His mercy is new every morning and is for us every day, but it's his mercy uh, that has, and it gives us the privilege of working for the kingdom, for realizing that he has given us instruction and that it does work. We re, you know, many times we, we, we quote this when we're talking about something bad. Well, you reap what you sow. But it ain't just about bad stuff. It's the good stuff. We reap what we sow, the good stuff. If there is no sowing, there will be no reaping. But now as being born again, I don't want to miss the reaping. I don't want to just know that there's a harvest out there and I did nothing about it. I don't want to know that there was a harvest among my family or my friends and I did nothing that I just uh, assumed that, uh, that they would, somebody else would get to them. Somebody else would get that rule. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to supervise. I'm going to watch. I'm going to tell other people how to do it, but then not do anything about it myself. I don't want to know what can happen and not see it happen. Uh, that's sad. I don't, I don't want to know what I could have had. I don't want to watch it right before my eyes uh, and, and, then, and then it disappear and I miss it because I decided to do nothing. I don't want to miss out on the blessings and the miracles of God all because I was asleep and let it pass me by. I don't want to be idle in the kingdom. I know sometimes we stand still to see what God is going to do. I get that, but... but the, you don't have to be idle while you're waiting. You can stand still and still be busy. You can, you can wait on the Lord and still be about the Father's business. You can, st you can still pray and preach and praise and worship while you're waiting to see what God's going to do. But if, if we sit around waiting, well, as soon as God gives me every single little instruction I need, you're going to miss it. Because that's not the way you get it here a little, there a little. You get it while you're working. You get it while you're walking. He told them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm not going to make you a fisher of men right here. The call is not what made you that. And the call out of darkness, uh, that's not going to make you who he wants you. That's the initial. That's the start. That's, that's where you get moving. But, but it's not the call that makes it. It's what you do with what you hear. 
The Bible instructs us, don't be hearers only, but be doers. So you got to do something with what you've heard. And when you hear the call, he didn't say, hey, come, come out of darkness and plop down in this chair right here. And just sit back. You'll be fine. I'll come get you when it's time to go to heaven. That ain't what he said. He said, put your hand on the plow and don't look back. Start plowing it up. Start breaking up the ground. Start making a field where things can grow. Start planting. Start watering. Start doing something in the kingdom. I want to be like this ant. She's teaching us a lesson. No God. No overseer. No ruler. Nobody with their thumb on her. But she just knows I've got a creator. God put that in her. God gave animals those instincts so that they could do what they're supposed to do. You'll never see a, a lion just, I ain't going to eat. Oh, you'll see him jumping on things, chasing things, killing things. He's going to eat. He's not going to just die of starvation. He, because God put it, no, there's nobody ringing the dinner bell and saying, come on, come on. Let's, you got people out there just feeding the lions. They eat for themselves. They know. What about bears? They just know to go get in a hole and sleep all winter. Eat like crazy and then sleep. They know. God gave them that so they could survive and do it. And, and when God fills us with his spirit, he puts something inside of us so that we should know. Uh, we ought to know what we should be doing for the Lord. When we read his word, he gave us his word so we would know uh, what to do in the kingdom. He gave us the ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, friend. All of us, just because uh, you hold a title of one of those uh, ministries doesn't mean you don't need them. Apostles need pastors. Pastors need apostles. Prophets need pastors. Pastors need prophets. We need teachers in the kingdom. We need them. Don't cut those voices out of your head. You need them because God gave us that. And every good gift and perfect gift is from above. God, anything God gives is good and is perfect. And he gave us that. And that's what instills in us. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. But the question was asked, how can they hear if they don't have a preacher? How can they believe on him if they don't hear about him? So how can they hear without a preacher? But then once you hear it, what are you doing with what you've heard? And you know, So with the provision available, this ant, she just goes to gathering. And you leave some food out. Ant's going to find it. <laughs> Let it. Let's leave it out. Go out there and, and, and drop you a, a sucker out on the driveway and, and come back in a few hours and see how many ants are on it. Because they're going to find it. There's always something looking. They, they try. I got to get something. I got to take something back. You see them carrying little pieces. Where are you going with that? Got it. Putting it in storage. I'll, I'll need it later. You know, it's just like it's amazing to watch the way they work. So what about us? He says, so after he talks about that, he says, how long will you sleep? When are you going to wake up? But the scripture says in one place that it is high time that we awake out of sleep. It's time for us. I, I don't want to oversleep. I don't want to hit snooze on my work for the kingdom because if I don't do, I don't have. You hear me? God has given us 
and provided for us, but he will not do our work for us. I've used this example many times for, uh, like if you, if you were going to uh, grow a garden or, or be a farmer, God gives you land, dirt, soil, seed, water. But he's not going to plow your field. He's not going to plant the seed. He's not going to work the garden. He's not going to get the weeds out. He's not going to go pick it for you. You know, you, that's, he said, I'm going to give you everything you need to be successful, but you've got to do it. You've got to take care of it. God provides, but he don't do the work for us. Now, I know it, it was, uh, God said, I will provide all of your needs. Right, he'll provide you with what you need. Paul said, you know, we quote this all the time, but do we really understand what he said? He said, I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength to do it. But he said, I can do. He didn't say, God can do all things for me through Christ. He said, I can do all things with Christ in my life. I've got that power, that authority. I've got uh, the instruction. I've got what I need from the word of God. I can do it. And so I, I want to make sure that I'm not sitting back on what God has given me. In Matthew 25 and, and 14, it says, The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. He called his own servants. Servants, the very word says that you should serve. He delivered unto them his goods. He gave one guy five talents, one guy two talents, and another he gave one talent. And you know the story. You've read it before, but uh, that... Um, the one with five and the one with two, they invested it. It came back. They said, it's doubled. And here you, here you go. And in verse 23, the, the Lord says unto the, them, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things and I'll make you ruler over many things. So enter into the joy of your Lord. But then in verse uh, 24, here comes the guy with one talent. And he begins to say things like in verse 25, I was afraid. And so I just went and hid the talent and so here you have what's yours. That would be like you know, taking a handful of apple seeds and giving them back to God and say, here you go. What is this seed? Well, why didn't you plant it? Well, I, was, I was afraid maybe it wouldn't grow. I didn't, want to have, really, I didn't want to have to water it and tend to it and make sure the bugs didn't get on it. So here's your seed. So you, I gave it to you because I knew it could do something. And so he, that was the, the, to that servant, they told him, he said, you're wicked and you're slothful. Uh, you, you, you didn't do anything what I gave you, so cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't want to not do with what God has given me. And God has given us this measure of faith. God has put this call on our life. He's, he's brought us into his kingdom to work for the kingdom so that we can see what God wants to do. You know, it's, it's so easy to read these stories and get excited. It's so easy to hear what's going on in some other part of the world or in so, some other city and get excited and think, wow, that's what we want, that's what we want. But we can have that. We can actually have thousands of people responding to God. We can actually have revival in our city we can actually have a move of the Holy Ghost where hundreds are just healed and blessed and filled with the Holy Ghost. We, we can have that. It's not just for third world countries. I'm glad they're getting it. 
but we act like God's reserved something special for them. But it's because their hunger and their desire for the things of God. You know, they're pushing the plate back. They're fasting. They're praying. They're, they're serving God. They're seeking God. And, and uh, they're, they're in a place where, you know, they, they've got to see God move. And we've got to go from where I want to see him move to I got to see him move. I've got to get to a place where I'm not going to make this. I, I, I can't keep going with just what I want. I've got to see God move. I've got to get a hunger and a desire. You know, we, 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 we don't really know what it's like to be hungry. And you know, we say it all the time, ooh, I'm hungry. And sometimes we'll feel a little twinge, but, but we usually eat on schedule. I mean, most of us, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Sometimes, we, and most of us really, it's always about the same time. Sometimes you work a job, you may, your lunch hour may vary sometimes, but most of the time, you know, from a child, we've, we've eaten in the morning, we've eaten at noon, and we eat in the evening. And we're used to that. And we think between lunch and dinner, I'm hungry. Uh, you know, but really, you need to go about three or four days without anything to eat. And then you'll say, man, I'm hungry. That, that's when you're like, I'm getting something. That's why it's so hard when, people, when we're trying to fast. Because we're so, we just got food everywhere. You can't check out nowhere there's a snack. It don't matter where you go. There's, there's drive throughs there's fast food. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's in your face. It's right there. It's in your cabinets, in your refrigerator. It's just everywhere. Food is just part of our life. And we don't know what it's like to really be hungry in the natural. No. But the Lord said when you begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. I want to get a hunger. I, I, I want to get a hunger. And here's the thing, too. Is you ever have your parents tell you this? Because they're, they're cooking a, this great supper, and, and you, you come bounding in. You've been outside running around. You come in, and you run in and grab a moon pie out of the cabinet. And they're like, don't eat that. It'll ruin your supper. It's like If you fill up on junk and sweets and stuff like that, you're not going to want these vegetables and things that are good for you, you're not going to want that stuff because you're not even going to be hungry because you've just been eating junk all day. And as we're kids, we're like, you're crazy. But it's true. And when we fill up on everything else, we don't get hungry for the things of God. There's other things that are satisfying. Us. They're, they're filling us up. And so, so we're not re just really ready to pull up to the table like we're hungry. Oh, but if we start denying ourselves, and if we just start saying, you know what, instead of this today, I'm going to pray a while. Instead of this today, I'm going to read a while. Instead of this, you know, instead of eating today, I'm just, I am going to fast. I'm going to get on this, this church fast day, and I'm going to start fasting, and I'm going to start getting rid of some of this natural stuff so I can get this hunger. Because, see, we're like, we're, we're trying to feel the hunger, but God's saying, I want you to hunger so I can feel it. You hear him? He said, if you hunger after righteousness, I'll feel it. So I need to be trying to get hungry for God. I don't need to be trying. Oh, I'm trying to feel. No, I just need to be trying. I need to be trying to get hungry. Sometimes when you work all day, that's when you feel like you're getting hungry. 
or when you work outside all day, that's when you get thirsty. And sometimes we need to just get busy about the work of God so we can start getting hungry for the things of God and then God can fill it. I want to be filled with the things of God. He can't fill a full vessel. We've got to start emptying out this earthen vessel. We've got to start laying some things aside. And listen, there's nothing wrong with vacation. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies you like and, and, and enjoying this life. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff until it becomes an obsession to where you never have time for God because of the natural things. It's just not. And let me tell you, as, as much as I, I love uh, you know, to go hunting and things like that, and somebody said, well, I'm going to let you on this little plot of land. And there's about 10 giant bucks on there. And you're, you're certain. But the only time you can hunt is Sunday at 11. I can't hunt. But this is a once-in-a-lifetime trip. I can't hunt. <laughs> you can kill two of them. I still can't go. Because that's the day that I've got to be in the pulpit preaching. Or I got to be praying for somebody because Sunday is the day that I go to worship God with my church. And if that's the only day I could go, then I can't go. And you say, well, the Lord wouldn't care if you went one time. What would I miss? Wouldn't it be something if I fell out of the tree and broke my back? Wouldn't that happen? Sunday. When? Sunday. You fall in church? No, I fell out of the tree. I was in the deer stand. I thought you was the pastor. I, I, I am. So you want all your people to make sure they was going to be there on Sunday, but you took off to go shoot a deer. See what I'm saying? I want to get hungry for the things of God. I, you know, this, this guy, he had this talent. He wasn't hungry. But what increase or promotion or reward are we missing? What, really? What are we missing by not doing what God asked us to do. What are we missing because we're hiding the talent that God gave us from the Lord? In Matthew 6, he said, when, he, the Lord taught us that, the principle of when. He said, when you pray, your Father that sees it will reward you openly. When you give, your Father will reward you openly. When you fast, your Father will reward you openly. But he's, it's, the reward comes after the when. When you do it. And let me tell you, fasting ain't pleasant. It ain't easy, but it does reap the benefit. It's going to make your flesh uh, fight and, and, and act up and, and things. It's, it's, man, you'll stir up all kind of stuff when you start fasting. Praying. A lot of times it's like, well, you know, pray. Well, I could really just, and you should pray while you're driving, especially today. But but, you know, I, I just pray. But you got to do more than pray over your meal. you got to do more than just pray uh, uh, driving down the road. But you need time to pray, to talk to God. Lord, what do I need? I need you. It's not easy. I don't know how to pray. And just talk to him. Just talk to the Lord. Look, pray, pray the Lord's prayer. That will help get you started. Start, start out just worshiping him, do it, but just pray. But it's when you do it. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote this to the church. In verse, uh, chapter 3, 6 through 9, he said, I have planted, 
I, I was thinking about planting. I thought planting was a good idea. He said, I have planted. I got a good buddy in the kingdom named Apollos, and he has watered, and God gave the increase because we did what he asked us to do, and they were workers together in the kingdom. They were seeing revival in churches and miracles and signs and wonders, and Paul was getting revelations and the great things were happening, but it was because I planted. He didn't just say I sowed seed. He said I planted. I broke the ground. I laid the seed. I worked. I broke a sweat. I got with it. I, I, I had to work. You ever planted a tree? Got to dig that hole and, and get in there right. And you're going to get dirty doing it. It's going to be hot. It's going to be tired. You're going to do it. But then here comes somebody along to water it, and then boom, it, it grows. You didn't make it grow. God made trees grow. He said, when you plant a tree or anything like that, he said, you're, man, basically you're just seeing what God can do with what he just put in your hands. You plant a tree and it begins to bloom, fruit tree, apple tree, whatever it is you like. And the next couple of years you come out and it's loaded down. You didn't, you can't take the credit for that. You just had to take what God gave you. And that's the same way it is in our walk with Take what God has given you and plant it. Water it. And watch God bless it. But don't sit back. Paul said, he said, neither is he that planted, we're not anything, or he that watereth anything, but God that gives the increase. Now he that planted and he that watered, they're one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, and you are God's husbandry, and you are God's building. We are laborers together with God, laborers for the kingdom. In Matthew 9 and 37 and 38, Jesus said, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. It's a shame you would think that as many people say, I want to go to heaven, that this uh, field of the kingdom would be full of people laboring. But in the grand scope of things, the laborers are few. So he told his disciples, pray you therefore. You need something to pray about? Pray for this. Pray you therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That he will send people to do the work because there are so many people that need it and there's not enough laborers to get around. There's not enough laborers to get around. And I don't want to miss the harvest of souls because I slept through it. God has given us uh, a harvest field and it is ripe. It is ready for harvest. Listen, there's always going to be somebody to reach for. Always somebody to reach for. God will provide all of our needs, but he will not spoon feed me. He's not going to force miracles on me. He is a giver, but I've got to gather. I've, I've talked about this before, but when Israel was crying and, and doubting God in the wilderness, and you know, Moses, you brought us out here to starve to death. We're going to die out here with our kids. And, and uh, they would just go on and on and on. And, and finally God said, I'm, I'm going to send them manna. 
Every morning when they get up, they come out of the tents of the ground will be covered with manna from heaven, bread from heaven. It'll be there. And for six days, that's how it'll be. You'll gather on the sixth day, you gather twice as much so there's no work on the Sabbath. He said that, that's how it will be. He gave them the instruction. He gave them the provision. He said the manna will be there. But it said by the time the sun got hot, it would all be gone. So if you slept in, you didn't eat that day. Because God didn't scoop you up a bowl and set it in your tent. He said, I'll give, but you're going to have to gather it. Friend, provision from God, and they could watch it melt away before their eyes just by sitting there and doing nothing. I do not want to sit in the door of my tent and watch the miracles of God just melt away when they're right there within my reach. I want to make sure that I'm gathering what he's given. And friend, right now, God has been giving out faith and giving out blessings and miracles in this house and, and God is moving on us. My goodness, what a service we had Wednesday night. I hope you've been speaking to some things this week. I hope you've been telling some things to, to take a hike this week to leave you alone. Because we saw even after that service, uh, people testifying the next day of how they had been healed in their body and they had not been sick any longer. And God was, I'm telling you, God is moving in his people. Not just here either, all around, but, but here. But here. I don't have to be looking nowhere else. He's moving here. God's doing stuff here. And, and we are right there. Oh, if we would just make that final push. You know, since we're in bulldog country, I remember Munson used to say, hunker down one more time. And friend, maybe, that's, maybe, maybe that works here. Maybe we ought to just say, look, we got to hunker down one more time. We, we got we to gotta not lay back and just think it's going to happen. But if we want that victory, if we want that, that goal, if we want to win, then we are going to have to get busy about it. We've got to. The Bible says now are we the sons of God. The Bible says that the Spirit itself bears witness that we're the sons and daughters of God. In Proverbs 10 and 5, it says, He that gathereth in summer is a wise son. He must be looking to the ant because he said, if you'll consider the ant, you'll get wisdom. You'll, get, you'll learn something wise. He said, but he that sleeps in the harvest is a son that causeth shame. Are we asleep? Are we a church, are we a church that's asleep? Is it, I, you know, when you sleep, you have dreams, and dreams just fade away. But when you get up and you go to work, that's where you're going to get something. And it's a shame for us to do without when God has given us his spirit, washed us in his name, gave us his word to produce faith that gives us instruction for us to live by. So if we go without, it's not because there was no provision. The older, if there's anything the older brother in the, the story of the prodigal son teaches me is that you can be in arm's length of all you need and do without. That older brother, the father told him, said, son, you're always with me and everything I have is thine. He was upset because the father didn't instigate insta, you know, this thing. He didn't, the father didn't say, hey, 
you know what, son, I think I'll throw you a party today. Let's, I'm going to send out all the invitations. I'm going to do everything. You just, you just come on in when it's done. It'll be and he was upset because the father, you didn't throw me no party. Everything you ever needed was right here. It's yours. You're always here with me. It's yours. You should know it's yours. But you're a grown man now. I don't need to be, I, I, I ain't spoon feeding you now. You're not a nursing child anymore. You're old enough to ask, seek, and knock. You're old enough to take hold of what I have here, the provision I have for you. He was the older brother. That means he had a double portion. And yet he did without. It was like that man I talked about one time. He was on that show. He was literally starving to death with a hut that was full of fish but he was afraid to eat it. And they had to pull him because his body weight got too low. He, he lost with what he needed to win right there in his house. I don't want to lose with what, I, and I've got what it takes to win right here. Well, I can't do it. Consider the ant. I can't do it. Consider the ant. There's another proverb about the ant, Proverbs 30 and 25. The ants are a people not strong. You're talking to me about how strong you are. It ain't about your strength. It's about doing. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. It's not about your strength. It's about doing what it takes to get it done. What are we doing to get it done? In 2 Corinthians 8, 11 and 12, he said, now therefore perform the doing of it. Do it. That as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. He said, look, I know people always want it to happen. There's a readiness to will, but you got to do it so there can be a performance. Something can happen out of what you have. For if there first be first a willing mind, then it is accepted according to what a man has and not according to that he has not. I've, I use this all the time. We're so good at looking at what we don't have that we ignore what we do have. And so you may not do all you want to right now, but that doesn't mean don't do anything. It is accepted according to what you have. And if you only have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, if you only have, the, you could ask that widow woman to testify about it, if you only have just a little jar of oil in your house, or if you only have a little bit of meal in the bottom of your barrel, God can still work the miraculous if you will do what he asks you to do. The ant doesn't have great strength and still gets the job done. Without great strength, doesn't starve. Let me tell you, you are strong enough because he told Paul later in 2 Corinthians, he said, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul realized that, so when I am weak, I am strong. So look, don't worry about trying to rely on your own strength. You just trust that God will get you through it. It's not about your natural strength. It's about 
the ability that God gave you. The kingdom work is for all of us. So stop comparing, stop measuring and judging yourself against others. Just do with what you've got. It'll benefit the kingdom. Well, I can't speak like that one. I can't play like that one. I can't sing like that one. I, I can't testify like that one. Do what you can with what you got, where you are. Do your best with what God gave you. You know why he gave one guy five, one two, and another one one talent? He said he gave it according to their several abilities. Because if God gave the man, if it was only one talent, he'd give him five. Now he's, he's having an anxiety attack. Because, oh, this ain't me. This ain't my lane. I don't know how to handle this. This is not in my scope. So he said, I know you only need one. And he still let one beat him. But the other guy, he had five, and he said, all right. He invested, got five more. He knew how to handle it. And so God's not going to give you something you can't handle. But what you've got, look, even though it might have only been two, if he'd have doubled it, he doubled it. And that's all the master said. It's got the ability to increase. What you've got, your story, your testimony, your, your ministry, whatever it is that God has given you, you've got the ability to do it. Honey, come on to the music this morning. And I'm, I'm, and I'm winding up standing with me this morning. Listen, somebody's counting on us. Somebody's counting on the church to be about the Father's business. So remember this, we reap what we sow. We don't reap what we wish for and dream about. We reap what we sow. And finally, in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, he said, sow to yourself in righteousness and reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You see what he said? He said, when you seek God, he'll send the rain. When you seek him, he's going to send the provision. When we get hungry for him, he's going to fill us. So let's go to the ant. Let's don't be lazy about the Father's business. Let's don't be idle in the house of God, but let's be about the Father's business.